Uh, non-store retailers. What is a non-store retailer? Can you give give me a guess on that? A retailer that doesn't have a store. Right. Um, non-store retailers generally are online. They should be called warehouse retailers because they have warehouses. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another sort of semi-almost and kind of exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach with Jake and... Jeff. McClure. We are coming... Yeah, I can say my name. Yes, we should both be congratulated. I don't know about anyone in our listening audience, but um, on a Saturday morning, saying your own name is, especially on cue, is quite demanding. I I don't know if anyone else has that experience or if it's just we have coordination issues. What do you think? I think we have coordination issues. Well, well, I know I have coordination issues. You can speak for yourself. Well, I think we should get on with the cancel culture and cancel our coordination issues. What that do you sounds think? cool. Yeah, we'll That'd just, be good. Um, we'll just get together with a group of people and laugh at them and make them go away. I don't think it'll work, but we can try it. It works for actors, and you really don't want to have actors doing things other than acting. So, Anyway, this is the personal wealth coach. And as strange as it may be, two economists are going to talk to you on your weekend, unless you change the channel or switch out of the podcast. If you're on the podcast, it may not even be the weekend, which is again strange. I don't know why you've chosen to spend your time with us. We do appreciate it, though we definitely doubt your sanity. Uh, welcome to the club. This is the personal wealth coach. I'm Jake. He's Jeff. We're both bald. We're both bearded. His beard is white. Mine is mostly black with some white in it. And that's how you can tell us apart as we speak to you. We've got some disclosures to give because whenever you're talking about finance, you need to have someone speaking in monotone at high speed into your ear to tell you, don't believe anything that you're listening to unless you do believe it and then believe it wholeheartedly. We should make that one of our disclosures. What do you think? I think so. I think it's, well, the faster you speak and the longer the words you use, you're probably the less people will listen to you, so it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, we got to take the, like, all of the inflection out of our voice when we do just speak on a monotone this way very quickly. All right, so disclosure. Number one, uh, this, is, this program's called The Personal Wealth Coach. That's a pretty good disclosure. I think we should stop there. Uh, That's that, good enough. That is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Now, just because the firm is registered with the SEC does not say that the SEC is giving us any kind of approval. They don't do that. Their job is not approval. It's disapproval. So we haven't been disapproved yet. That's the only endorsement we can claim. Uh, but we do need to tell you that because they are the regulators of our firm. And if we do something... Um, completely dangerous to the public, they'd be the ones to talk about. Unless it's like running through traffic without any clothes on, That's there are other authorities for that. We're just talking about finance conversations, not streaking. Different things. Uh, also, the firm being registered with the SEC for fiduciary advice as an investment advisor, we can't do that on the radio. The radio program can't give investment advice. Why? 
Well, the program the program can't give investment advice without us, and it can't give investment advice with us either. But, right. Yeah, I got you. So we can't give investment advice to you as a listener because we don't know you, and that's one of the requirements of giving investment advice is actually know the person you're advising. I know that seems weird. Um, we also, even if we do know you, and I think we probably know the two people that are listening at the moment, uh, you and I. Well, I think there's some other people listening to maybe one or two. We haven't figured out exactly how many, but there's a certain resonation that indicates that somebody is actually listening to this radio program. We hope. So all that being said, even if we do know you, there are some privacy issues about giving advice uh, when a lot of other people can hear on the air or in a podcast. So we simply can't give fiduciary investment advice. So what the heck are we talking about if we can't be advising? And that's our whole claim to fame. We're giving education. Uh, so that is two, are two. Those are two of the disclosures. You want to do the next ones? Well, the information we provide on this radio program, educational though it may be, has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable and accurate. However, we make no warranty or claim to the reliability, accuracy, or completeness of said information. It was cool, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I said all that stuff without stuttering. You got your demon on. A demon? I should. A demon. I sh- yeah, I've got my demon. I should be able to go to law school after learning to say that. I, I think that if you wish to spend your time going to law school, that is totally up to you, if you wish. Okay, next cl- disclosure. Man, there's a lot of them. We don't pay for this radio program. This is not paid commercial advertisement. Uh, we don't get paid to do the radio program. We've been proudly doing this without pay uh, adding to the unemployment rolls for the past 23, 24 years in your case. So we've been doing this a long time, not getting paid the whole time. I, I'm not sure. What is our incentive here? Uh, ed- education? Clients do listen to this. That's, that's true. Um, I, think, I think momentum is the biggest piece of it. Because we started and now we don't know how to stop? Yeah. I think that might be most of it. Because believe it or not, people that have tens of millions of dollars generally don't make their decision on who gives them advice based on listening to, to a radio program or a podcast. I know it's weird. Uh, you would think that that would be enough, don't you think? So our incentive here is multifold. Number one, there's not enough education out here on finance. So we're filling that gap as much as we can. And number two, uh, we do have clients that listen to this that like to hear us talk I know it's weird if they say they like to listen to our program, but there it is. Okay, so let's talk about what happened in the market this week. Well, the market was weird this week, but that's not unusual. Uh, it floated around up and down. What was unusual is that uh, it surged upward to break records on Monday. It fell on Sunday. I mean, it fell on Tuesday gradually climbed back up on Wednesday, hit a new interday interday record on Thursday, and then sagged again on Friday because it was getting conflicting information. Well, the market was the market actually doesn't get information. It's the people who participate in the market that get the information, and they got a lot of it. And the information they got was very conflicting. So on one day, they'd say the – matter of fact, the, big, the argument that's going on, and it's a classic argument between bears and bulls, is the economy sagging because of the new COVID infection rates? Um, is the Fed going to raise interest rates too much and crush the economy? 
Dead came out, by the way, and said, no, we're not going to do that. But they, a lot of people chose not to believe them. On the other hand, is the economy overheating and we're going to get runaway inflation uh, and the Fed's not going to raise interest rates quickly enough? And one commentary that I read in the Wall Street Journal put it very, very well. That institutional managers are looking for a reason to sell. And that's what's happening. And every time they go in with a reason to sell, they go, oh, there's the reason to sell. A bunch of individual investors primarily come in and buy up in the dip and the market rises again. And the institutional managers shake their head and said, well, we screwed that one up. The market actually dipped a, after zigzagging around and being so violent and uh, contrary during the week. It, uh, let's see, it 0.37% fall in the S&P 500 for the week, which is next to nothing. It's 3,700 of 1%. It's up over 17% year to date, up 1% for the month of July, which is cool. And we haven't been giving the annual numbers, the numbers from last year, but last year the recovery was pretty well underway at this point. So the S&P 500 is up 34% from where it was this time last year. We also follow the CRSP mid-cap value index. And we do that because the main part, the five stocks, which are large cap growth stocks, are based on potential future earnings in the S&P 500 are large. They're 22% of the value of the S&P 500, and they're driving the train right now in the S&P 500. So at the other end of the spectrum in the S&P 500 are the mid caps. They don't have small caps in the S&P 500. So at the other end of the mid caps and the other end of the other end would be mid cap value. So I use the CRSP mid cap value index as an indicator of what the other corner of the market doing. And this was interesting. It didn't zigzag up. It just was kind of saggy during the week. And then on Friday, Thursday and Friday, it jumped and it was up 1% for the week. It's up 18.81% this year. And, and I guess in short, you could say that large cap growth stocks took a bit of a hit this week, not much, but they were the ones that were zigzagging up and down. At the end of the week, the smaller value stocks came back into favor. And if I could, Jake, I'd like to explain a little bit about that. Oh, basically. But no, that's not why we're here. We're just okay. to, here to confuse people. Just say numbers and don't explain them. That's the way everybody else does it. So I think we should do it. During the pandemic, the five large stocks called the FANGs, I don't remember whether they're Facebook, Alphabet, Google. Well, Alphabet is Google. What are the others? A Amazon. Apple. Uh, Net yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Basically, there's a, there's a group of them in there about five stocks that make up the, the driving force in the S&P 500 stock index. And the reason the market was sagging at the end of the week, at least a little bit, was because Amazon went down. And Amazon went down because they said, we've had record earnings, we've had record sales, we beat expectations for our earnings. Of course, that causes it to go down. But it also said, but well, we don't expect this kind of growth to continue forever. Well, as soon as and a CEO says something like, we don't expect growth, outrageous growth to continue forever, then people start selling. Um, on the other end of the market are the value stocks. And value stocks are based on a regular recovery, a normal recovery, not the weird recovery that we've had so far with people rushing to buy stuff in the electronics stores. In other words, a return to a normal cyclical economic cycle. Cyclical economic cycle? That's counter. That's cyclical redundant. cycles. That's, anyway. that's repetitive and redundant. The cyclical cycle today is circulated. If we get a little bit of inflation and we get a normal recovery, then the value stocks would rise in value. I like that. That was good. The value stocks would rise in value. Yes. We're, we're so, repeating ourselves regularly these days. 
you get there's this battle going on between the value side of the market where normal recoveries are shown, things like utilities and railroads and old-fashioned places that actually earn money and have reasonable price-to-earnings ratios, and the upper end of the market that drives major bull markets where sometimes the price-to-earnings ratios are so high they're out, they're astronomical, where you take 145 years of earnings of some of the larger stocks some pay for the price of the stock. Sometimes more than that. Sometimes, I mean, at the beginning of the year, Tesla's price to earnings ratio was seventeen hundred. Now it's dropped quite a lot since then because the earnings have come way up. But still, seventeen hundred years to break even on an earnings—that's nosebleed territory for sure. So we've got a market that is seesawing back and forth between looking for a relatively normal recovery to re- to assert itself and a, and the market that in the side of the market that's somewhat speculative that says somebody's got a tremendously wonderful idea and they're going to conquer the world, which is normal in a bull market. The other thing that's healthy in this bull market is the fear, and there's a lot of it. I mentioned that the institutional investors are looking for a reason to sell, um, and and they're not fine. They, every time they see something that looks like a reason to sell, they sell, and then somebody else comes in and buys, and they slap themselves on the forehead. But that level of fear in the market with people looking for a reason to sell indicates that there's a lot of cash still sitting on the sidelines because people aren't buying when they're looking for a reason to sell. There's an anomaly in the market that a lot of people are trying to explain, and I've done a lot of research on. I'm sure you have too. The yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note. Now, the 10, you probably haven't, most of you have probably never bought a 10-year U.S. Treasury note, but it's still the benchmark for everything else in the bond market. And it's a strong indicator, like the S&P 500 is not the whole stock market, but it is a strong indicator of what's going on in the stock market. It fell another 4% to 1.228%. That's the lowest since February. February was pretty low. Now, it's still up about 34% from the beginning of the year, but it's down 30% from its high in March. That's really weird. The fact that the economy is humming along, we just had, we're going to talk about that some more, we just had GDP reported as coming in at 6.5% on an annualized basis for the second quarter. The economy is going great guns. Theoretically, people are afraid of inflation. Technically, uh, one-year consumer price index was up 5.7%. Normally, that would cause interest rates to rise, and what it's doing is instead interest rates are falling. And that's something we can talk about in some detail. Well, there's actually a question on that subject. There's a hanging out there. Yeah, we want to get to that. And finally, we follow the price of West Texas Intermediate crude oil because it's another another indicator of where the economy is going. And it just ignored all the news, slowly rose during the week on increased demand. It's at seventy three point seventy seventy three dollars and seventy two cents for a forty two gallon barrel. It's up two point one five percent for the week. So we look at all of those indicators and say these are what they, a lot of people with a lot of money think the market think think the economy is doing, and it's reflected in market prices. So that's the market. All right. Well, if you wouldn't get smallpox, so that's where the word vaccine comes from. It's nice. By the way, let's get back to good news if you want to. Oh man, we're going to lose all our listeners if we get back to good news. We should just stick to negative news. We all already established that there's a psychological bias for negative news, and now you want to lose our, all of our ratings. I see what's going on. I think one of the key things, it's a very low interest statistic, but I think it's very important, is that business long term investment in capital goods. 
their orders increase at a 6% annualized rate in, in June. Now, why is that important? I'm sorry, in the second quarter. 6% annualized rate. No, that was in June. Yeah, it's 6% annualized rate in June. That's a lot. That's a lot of investment because when businesses invest in themselves by ordering capital goods, now capital goods are like machines to make them more efficient, to make more stuff. That is a major investment by a business. It has to play out over many years, but it means that a couple of years from now, we'll see tremendous growth. We normally see that level of capital goods investment by businesses at the bottom of a recession when we're about to hit a major major recovery from the recession. The recovery is technically over with expansion now, and that investment is continuing, which I think is very positive. The new jobless claims fell to 400,000 last week. That's a new pandemic low. Still double what we were saying before the pandemic, but still it's a new low, which means the new jobless claims are slowing down. Interestingly enough, with everything going like gangbusters with, with spending money and everything that's been going on, this, of course, this number was prior to the COVID lockdown threat that's going on. Why are we having 400,000 people a month laid off, or a week laid off? That's pretty impressive. That's a question I don't see any answers for right now. I, I'd love I, to see somebody study that. Yeah, I, I would say it's, I mean, last week we saw it very clearly in the numbers. A lot of the people that were laid off were laid off in high demand areas, which seems like the reverse of all logic, except that if you're working at a car plant and they've got the line shut down because they don't have chips on hand because the chips are slow uh, in showing up, then the company can't afford to pay you to stand there and do nothing for a month or, or for a week for that matter. And that's a big chunk of what we're seeing in the layoffs is that people, there's this high demand for people as long as they have the parts in supply, and this kind of segues nicely, and we got to play some commercials, but it segues nicely into another subject, something we talked about before the program started, which is a lot of manufacturing facilities in the, in the semiconductor chip-making industry are coming to the United States. Intel's announced, unlike what it said a few months ago, it's not going to be outsourcing as chip manufacturing. Um, that was sort of blocked by the U.S. government. Uh, instead, they are going to be upgrading and being a source for other people's chips, um, which is a fan that's absolutely fantastic news for the U.S. economy because this is an area we were falling behind in, and Intel was just about to throw in the towel. Um, they were going to sell a big chip manufacturing plant that they were abandoning in China to a Chinese company. And the Trump administration, followed by the Biden administration, nixed that. They said, no, you cannot, absolutely cannot sell this plant to Huawei. They are going to use the technology from the plant, what they get in there, to make chips and be uh, farther up in, in their subsidized at a, like a 45% level by the government. No, we're not allowing that. So instead, it was sold to a South Korean company. And Intel is starting a new manufacturing plant. So we talk about neodymium. We talk about the, the different rare earths and strange metals that people don't usually have flowing from the tips of their tongue. Um, as far as words, hopefully they're not having metals flow from their tongue. That would be weird. Though it might increase our supply in metal. So I don't know. There, there might be some positives there. You're weird. You did say that I again. 
Um, we are strange here. What I'm talking about is a move that's going on that is shared across the Biden and Trump administrations. I know, that's weird. That, that's weirder than me. The fact that a Democrat and a Republican that are so opposite of each other in so many things can agree on something. The trade war is still going. We have a new industrial policy in the United States that is bipartisan. Democrats and Republicans are both supporting this, and that is to subsidize certain very strategic areas of our economy with federal money. We got to dump some large numbers of billions of dollars. $59 billion was approved by the Senate to go to American chip makers. Um, the TSMC, which sounds like the fifth member of the Beastie Boys. Who are you? TSMC! It is actually the Taiwan uh, chip manufacturing company. Uh, based on incentives that were asked for by the Trump administration and passed by a Republican Congress, um, moved to manufacture in Arizona a, a massive chip plant, a very massive chip plant. The Biden administration and the Democrat Congress have all agreed to that at this point. Not only agreed to it, are looking at maybe extra incentives. Um, this is a, it's a big shift in free trade because free trade's important. Obviously, the two of us are big proponents of free trade. But if other governments are subsidizing an area by 45 or 50% of their revenue, it's not competition when they come in to try to compete against us. Now, we're top for innovation, but if they can copy our stuff as soon as we make it, this is not a good thing, which is part of the reason for the bans on Huawei stuff. That is very provable theft of intellectual property that's been upheld in court after court after court. Um, the economy is going to be stumbling for a while. We're still growing quickly. We're not out of the woods yet. We, I mean, next hour we're going to be talking about uh, what happens on Monday when the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures goes away? Uh, there's going to be some major impacts to the economy based on that. The Delta variant is very likely to slow down demand for retail establishments. So we'll talk about that more next hour. This is a much bigger question than we gave it time for this hour. Sorry, Tom. We'll, we'll get to it in, in detail. It's a, it's a good question. What, what are the implications psychologically and otherwise on the, of the conversations about the Delta variant? We've had some really good questions this hour. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, uh, we have voicemail waiting locally at... 254-947-1111. And should you still have a landline, you can go to that same voicemail at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. We've got recordings of the radio program. We've got links to podcasts. You can sign up for our newsletter, read our newsletter. You can use the Contact Us form. You can also email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. We read those things and uh, generally we answer them. So until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. <laughs>